0: No matter where your business is today or where you want to take it, you'll get there faster and more profitably with an operating system. Welcome to Team OS, your guide to starting, growing, and optimizing a real estate team. Here's your host, Ethan
1: Butte. For insights into starting, growing, and optimizing your real estate team, we're talking with Ryan Rodenbeck and John McCarthy. A little background and a fun fact before we get started. Ryan's the broker, owner, and CEO of Spyglass Realty, which he started in 2008 as a solo agent. Johnny joined as a realtor in 2015 and a few years ago became sales manager. And one of these two guys was on a house flipping show called Property Ladder about 15 years ago. Ryan and John, thank you both for talking Team OS today.
0: Yeah, glad to be here.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ethan. Yeah. appreciate you guys. And, uh, Ryan, that wasn't you when you first saw that property ladder episode, what did you
0: think? Uh, you know, <laughs> Johnny, Johnny looks young now. Um, and he looks like, I think he was like 12 years old when he was, um, in that age, but, uh, it was very interesting. Uh, was, uh we watched it several times as a group and it's all, it's a fun show. That's yeah. Crazy.
1: It's awesome. Johnny, how'd that come together for you? And where were you in your real estate career at that point? Gosh, so in my real estate career at that
2: point, that was right after my first year in real estate after I was a rookie in California. Uh, And that came together because I was asked to help out and list the property for another agent from another city and turned up that it was a perfect house to fix and flip for a TV show and came together with a a lot of hard work and commitment.
1: (laughs) Cool. Well, I'll link that up in the notes so people can... uh follow the drama of a bathroom, I think, falling off uh, the side of the house at one point. But let's get in where we always start on this show. And I'll start with you, Ryan, on this. In your experience, what is a must-have characteristic of a high-performing team?
0: Yeah, I think um, is a leadership structure. Um, And you know, Johnny and I covered this at, at FebCon where we're using EOS. I've got uh, I think when you grow to a, a certain point, you know y- your your figurehead cannot do everything. Uh, and you need to have very strong leadership as as evidenced by uh, John McCarthy and Sonny Tracy and Caleb Nelson. Um, you know, y- y- you need to have an organizational chart, needs to know who does what. and you need to have systems and processes in place so that you know so that you and your entire organization knows, what happens in any particular situation.
1: Awesome. We're going to get into some of those details there, including when this occurred to you, when you decided to implement EOS. Uh, But before we get into some of those details, uh, Johnny, what is a must-have characteristic of a high-performing team in your experience? You
2: know, I was thinking about that, and there's a lot of things that teams need, like Ryan mentioned. And for me, what I came to realize That's helped me grow personally and run a team personally and now as a team um, with the leadership is leverage and learning where those leverage points are. For example, Ryan learned a leverage point in me where he could take me out of production and, and bring me on full time. And I learned a leverage point for me coming out of production. I can run the company. So, it was, And even in my personal business, just people and processes and systems. So like, I leveraged Ryan and Spyglass with all the tech and all the money he spent on building the company so that I could be successful without having any overhead. So I think leverage and identifying where those leverage points are and how to uh,
1: how to utilize those. That's great. We um are definitely going to get into the point at which a sales manager made sense for the team, but Ryan, I'd love for you to kind of walk us up to 2008, the start of Spyglass. Uh what was going on for you in your career at that point? Um it's from my from what I've read, uh, it doesn't sound like you intended to build a massive team necessarily. Uh, so just kind of walk us through that journey a little bit.
0: Yeah. So before I started Spyglass for Realty, Realty, uh, for some point I had a, a, a brokerage of my own where I had a partner in California um, and a property management company. And um, that was a whole nother episode. We could go into that, but it ended up at, at, at a complete disaster. And then so for about a year, I started with another broker. And um, this was right when the market crashed in 2007 and deals started getting, you know, very dwindling. And at the time I wanted to be the master of my own domain. I didn't want to be dependent on anyone else. And so the thought was, I was going to start Spyglass Realty as a solo agent that, that is also a broker. And uh, it it morphed into, I had a few agents with me for reasons that I do not know because we did not provide anything. Um, and then in 2015, we had a group of probably, I think we had only seven agents at the time. And I was bringing in leads at a, at a, a very high level. I was using Tiger leads. And um, I wanted to take well, I had learned to become a top producing agent and I wanted to take what I had learned and try to filter that down to other agents that work for me.
1: Really good. Johnny, so you joined around that time. Um what was going on in the company from your expect uh from your perspective um and what made Spyglass the right choice for you at that time?
2: Yeah, so at at that time, by the time I moved here, I have several years experience in in real estate in california and construction sales so when i was moving to texas with my wife and daughter who was four months old i knew that i had to quickly build a real estate business and i was prepared to create it myself i even went to ryan and showed him everything that i had in place i the technology the everything all the processes everything i need a crm and ryan so i was referred to ryan from a friend of mine and um when i was interviewing around town it was either going to a brokerage where i was going to be an independent agent i had to just do it all myself anyway or find a team who was going to bring me on and you know i have to prove my worth to them or ryan just basically said if you have what it takes i've invested in my company with all this technology and leads and here it is and he showed me his computer and everything he had set up and at that point, it was like an aha moment. I said, wow, this is exactly what I need because I can just plug right into everything that he's already invested in. The infrastructure is there. Uh, and I just need, I just had to sit down and get to work with everything that he provided at that time and, and build from there. Um, so when I joined, I met everybody in the company and it, there was a bunch of independent agents, people kind of doing their own thing. And I was able to really kind of harness, I was one of the only ones really working within the, brokerage resources successfully at that time quickly. Um, Everybody else was kind of doing their own thing as well. Ryan was going to do it himself. He was like a a platinum top 50 himself, you know, as he's growing this this small brokerage at that time. Yeah.
1: Cool. Uh, Quick question for you, Ryan, before I have you characterize your team however you prefer. I'd love to know about the name Spyglass. Mm -hmm. It's such a cool name and very obviously the consonants of Ryan Rodenbeck Realty or something works. Like uh where did the name come from for you? Does it mean anything uh in particular to you?
0: Yeah, sort of. Um, so I never won I've never been a big fan of uh, you know, I'm not just like love my last name. So Rodenbeck Realty was never gonna happen. Um and then I'm also not a big fan of of naming your company after yourself. Uh, I think that's a more of an ego play. Um and uh, I wanted something that was just that would eventually be more than the Ryan Rodenbeck show, uh, and so you know at, at the time we were going to focus on investment property, and we looked up everything from you know uh, invest tax, uh, you know to, to any kind of type of thing, and then we would check the uh, Secretary of State's websites and then GoDaddy, okay, and then we kept going through all kinds of stuff and we're watching a movie and then Spyglass Entertainment came up. Also there's a very popular road that almost everyone in town knows called Spyglass Drive. So uh, we checked Secretary's website, we checked GoDaddy, it was good. Um, and we started giving out, I remember telling the story all the time, the first week I started giving out my card, someone says, oh, I've heard of you guys, which was literally impossible. But that's how... I think that's the power of of name recognition. So if you're starting a brokerage anywhere, like maybe check some popular streets.
1: <laughs> I love it. And that cross-reference between what's legally available uh, in real life and what's legally available digitally. Really good. I, I'm glad I asked. Yeah. Um, quickly, just c- characterize your team here toward the conclusion of 2023. Um, you know, size, market, culture, however you prefer, just kind of characterize your team for, for folks who aren't familiar.
0: Yeah. So right now we have about 130 agents. Um, we have uh, about 60 of these agents that we call Indie uh, independent. And and all that means for us is that they're at this current time, not taking leads. And then we have about 70 agents that are taking leads are uh our main focus is to try to get agents to be self-sufficient. So of those 70 agents, we'll have 20 at any given time that are phasing into not taking leads. And then sometimes in the uh, we'll have of the 60 agents, we'll have 10 that say, you know what? I need to fill up my pi- pipeline. Um, and then, so we have our leadership. Johnny's in charge of uh, sales, director of sales. We've got a marketing uh, director. We have Sonny Tracy, who is operations. And we our company culture is very robust. Just last Wednesday, we went to the Austin American Statesman, the local newspaper had the top workplaces and we won the number one spot there. So obviously what we're doing is working in terms of a a cultural basis.
1: Awesome. Congratulations. Uh, I want to transition into this uh, director of sales situation. And I, and I'll, I'll stay with you on this, Ryan, what was going like at what point uh, in the business, like what was going on for you and where the, the way I really would like, you to kind of offer this is of course uh, true to your own experience, but yeah. then also for that person who's leading a small team, they're a little bit overburdened. Uh, whether or not they've left sales production, they're they're feeling overburdened, and they're thinking about implementing some of these roles. Yeah. Um, how were you thinking about the the sales manager or director of sales role? Um, and what was going on in the business at that time?
0: Yeah, so Sunny has been with me for uh, twelve years um, coming up, and It's been, Sonny and I have been probably the heartbeat of the company for that entire time. Johnny was working as a, uh, a, a, you know, kind of a team lead, the highest converter of leads in our company. And he had a quasi role as a sales manager, but not nearly full time. So um, it, it got to be so, I think we had about 60, 70 agents. We were bringing in a massive amount of leads and it was a lot to take on. So I knew that we needed a, uh, a sales director, you know, through the coaching programs I wanted, like when you get to that or the coaching programs, I mean, you, when you get to that level, you need someone that's going to own that space. And, you know, uh, since Johnny has already kind of been working on it, um, I, I, I went to him and I got to tell you, it was a big, it was, it was, it was a, it was a risk in a lot of ways, um, not hiring a sales director, but hiring Johnny specifically as a sales director, because here's why. He was the highest converter of leads, okay? Like, you're going to take him out of that role. And we knew through coaching, you need someone dedicated to that that's not going to be doing sales. The other role, the thing that was a fear, not much of a fear, but it was somewhat of a fear is like, is he going to be able to do this at the level that we need him to, okay? Um, I can tell you without one doubt, like, I mean, I would never expect the level of, uh satisfaction uh, that that uh, that we have gotten from him. Not only I mean, it's not like one of these things like here like I think like, what well, it is one of these things here's what I need you to do, right? But then he went from there to like there, you know, owning that role, implementing processes uh, that just you know I not never even thought of before. So it's like you give your task list and he's like scratch that. I got that. That's the easy shit. Here's the here's what I'm really gonna do. Now that, that didn't happen overnight, but it's just like it was such a fulfilling um, pr- uh, progression.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Johnny, I love this story from your perspective. I'm sure that you saw some threats of your own. The one that comes to mind immediately, and I've heard this in a number of sales dynamics, like that the top producing salesperson, I'm not even talking real estate here specifically, the top producing uh salesperson becomes a sales manager, there are compensation challenges. The role is completely different. It sounds like you made that transition really well. But I'd love to hear um when this idea was introduced to you, um, and you were already, it sounds like quasi doing it, what 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 excited you about it? What concerned you about it? And what were some of the boxes you need to you needed to check for yourself personally to say check, check, check. All right, let's do this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was That was definitely a a pivotal moment, I know, um, because I, I was just coming off of a year and a half of extraordinary sales for me. So like income, like we were set. They're like, this is great. So now and this is where leverage comes in, too, because I now knew and this is what I was working so hard within the company as a realtor was to learn all the systems and processes that Ryan had in place that work and basically just copy everything that he's been doing. And that's what I, that's what was my quasi sales manager role was now that I've learned it, it works. Now teach it and train it to the other agents to however capacity they can, you know, take it and, and run with it and execute it as well. So I was looking at, wow, I had a lot of money coming in. This was great. I'm about to do zero sales. I think we had like maybe 40 something agents at the time, 45 agents or so. And here's the thing. So Ryan's always invested in me to have coaching and consulting individually. So when this came up, I had, I had a professional consultant to talk to as well to help me talk through some of my concerns and issues and growth. Because like, if I'm, I'm either going to run my own real estate team and Ryan was, was great about it. He said, look, whatever you want to do, I got your back 100%. You can either grow your own team within the company and you're going to crush it, or you can help me grow the, the company and we're going to crush it. And so it, it was, it wasn't a hard decision for me to make, it was just making sure that I had all the unknowns that I didn't know coming out of sales. Cause that's all I ever knew was get up and go earn my, my check, go, go get it. And Ryan was basically saying, Hey, you've earned it. I want to make this a little bit easier on you. I've got a position for you. And if you can take what you've been doing and apply it in a, you know, more or less 40 hours a week and get some weekends back and and just apply yourself hundred percent one, no sales. So you're not distracted by your own sales. I was like, I can do that, but I got a phase out of that. Help me. How do I do that? I needed his help there too.
1: Just the Uh, emotional aspect of it, I'll bet.
2: Right. And there's leverage there. People, I had just done 40 something transactions or more without basically leaving the home or even going into these homes by leveraging the people and the systems that Ryan had in place. So when I was thinking about who's going to be the person leading this company from 40 something agents to several hundred, maybe doing a billion dollars in real estate sales, is that gonna be me or someone else? Yeah. So it took a few months to, to make the transition and get everything in place and go back and forth to make sure we got all the details worked out. Uh, Cause this was new for Ryan as well. So, like each night, I'm sure we were both like, how's this gonna work? Is it gonna work? Am I gonna hear back from him? Like, what's going on? So, yeah. Uh, and it was the best thing I think we've ever made.
0: Best thing we've ever made. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of, you know, there's definitely some some nervousness about it. And I was like, Johnny, I got two words for you. Nights and weekends. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "How so- time
2: management?" <laughs> yeah.
0: Because I mean, because he was working his ass off, right? I mean, it, it, you know, as it, it, like this was during COVID, he was, you know, they were being really careful because he had uh, young young children, and and. You know, and so although he wasn't like going out, like like Johnny was, like he was making sales over Zoom all the time. But that was all the time, nights and weekends and all. The, and of course, you know, there are things we we take care of at nights. But what I've always said is that when I got out of 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 doing sales, and I have an agent that calls me at nine o'clock, you know, I take that call. Like that's their stress. You know you're not dealing with that when you hang up that phone. I give them the advice, and Mr. Sure Johnny can relate to this, like, oh, thank God that's not me, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, that's so crazy. um okay, I would love to hear from either of you on one thing that was super interesting that you shared with me is this idea of you know almost half the team is is participating directly in the lead flow that you're generating the goal is to shift them into this current approximately other half, uh, who are self sufficient. I would love to know, um, what that process looks like. Do you generally recruit people into the, um, we've got leads for you or are you recruiting people into both sides of it? And then Johnny, what aspect of your role is, is supporting that transition through coaching and leadership and, and guidance? Whether, when, and how to leave sales production. It's one of the biggest challenges and hardest transitions in the growth of your team or brokerage. That's why it comes up in many of our conversations here on Real Estate Team OS. For instant access to two subscriber-only episodes on this challenge, visit realestateteamos.com slash subscribe. You'll get email-exclusive insights and guest previews every week. You'll get subscriber-only episodes as they release and you'll instantly get how to leave sales production successfully and why to stay in sales production. Two episodes, nearly an hour of content with perspectives from a dozen team leaders on the biggest challenge and hardest transition you'll face. Sign up right now at realestateteamos.com slash subscribe.
2: Yeah, so um, I guess I'll first start, and this is in Ryan's uh, wheelhouses on the recruitment side because it is we do have leads that come in and we do have a six su- a lot of success with our leads and that comes with a lot of training and requirements so when you are working within our leads product you're required to do certain things which helps when you're not working within our leads product you understand what it takes to get the business the job done so you're not you're not just pacing by every day you you know what it takes so uh and so that that's been like one of the most challenging things is when I plugged into my sales uh, manager role was that we were growing. So it wasn't that I was just going to help teach some agents what we're doing. We had to put into place the systems to bring on agents and teach them and catch them up so that they can catch on quickly. And we were bringing on agents that maybe had six months experience, a year experience, not a lot of experience in some cases, and some that were doing you know, 20 or 30 more transactions and need to kind of be fast paced into what we're doing and didn't need any type of mentorship. So that's where we had to develop out more, more coaching and training on a low level and a high level. So these are things like, I mean, Ryan, he said, look, one of your tasks is you've got to create a program to level up all the agents so that when they're within this company, regardless of their experience, they can go through this program, this training and get caught up and it should we didn't have a a time period on how long it should take but basically within like a 90 day span you can get a real immersive experience on what it takes to be successful selling real estate at spyglass realty within our systems and our technology and how we teach and how we train Uh, and that way that's kind of like a default cool come on board we've got this level up program but then also we've got all these you know training and, and modules built out for onboarding to basically catch everybody up when they do come on board based on what they need and, and assessment questions, ask some questions along the way and help d- kind of like steer them where they need to go within the company, what they need to focus based on, on their based on their experience and, and what they brought to the table.
0: Yeah. And, and from the recruitment side of it. So, you know, we, we, we target two types of agents. One agents that are veteran agents that are doing business and want to just plug into our systems. And then the other ones are we don't hire brand new agents unless they're coming on with a mentor or on a team. Um, and so the the other type are ones that have been in the business one to three years and done between one and three million. Because if they've they've sort of, quote, picked the wrong brokerage and they were still able to make it in, in real estate with, 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 with that brokerage, then then we're going to flourish within our, our, our systems. But one thing that, one thing that I, I, I realized was, you know, and look, recently we were recruited some, some, some top agents, some really good agents. That was a priority to me for a long time. Um, And it's still something I still want to do. But like, what I realize now is like, we're so good at making agents great that, you know, that's the primary focus for me is, is in, in, I don't have, I don't need the ego play of like, oh, I just got the, you know, the number one uh, agent in such and such zip code, right? What I want to, yes, do we do it sometimes? Yes, but really, like, I'm more proud of the fact that we're taking agents to a different level than where they were before, and that happens more often than not in the agents that are newer.
1: Yeah. Uh, across the population, again, I'm thinking of like the two groups of agents, broadly speaking, um, I would assume that the more experienced folks are probably coming in in a more self-sufficient uh, side of it, where some of the, like, the younger ones that are really looking to maybe even double their business in some window of time through the pieces that you've put into place and through some of the coaching and guidance, um, they're probably coming in uh, with some of the support via leads. Um, is that the case? and um you said the goal is to move more like like right now i'm splitting it in half in my mind yeah. um but you'd like that to be 70 30 or something like that sure
0: yeah and and so what what we found is the agents that have come in that are newer agents and they're they're they learn real estate learn how to do our things through through the practice of leads they have when and when they become independent not taking leads they are so much like they have so much better practices on how to follow up and not just with leads, but like with their past clients and whatnot. And so kind of the challenge with veteran agents is. You have to, you know, and, and, and the ones that we, we recruit that do the best, is like we say, look, you can move over here, OK, but. You, you know, to get the full advantage of our brokerage is you really have to dig into the systems we have. You have to, you know, show up for some, some if not all the training, right? You've got to have, and and then the problem with veteran agents, right? Is that they don't follow the processes they need to do to like, to, to dig into their CRM. I mean, I mean, agents come over and like, I need help with my CRM. Okay. You need help with your CRM, but you're going to have to be all in on it and say, I'm really going to do the work because that's because we're, we won't be able to help them if, if, if they're not going to, you know, um, absorb themselves in the systems of using follow up boss at its highest level. That's the biggest problem with almost any veteran agent. If, if they have a lapse in sales, they're not in the database. And it's such a cliche thing to say, like, get in your database, get in your database. But it's also the true um, advice that, that most top producing brokers and team leaders will give you.
1: I love that, Ryan. This idea of like, it's, it's not actually a problem with your CRM. It's the problem with the fact that you're not using it. Absolutely. <laughs> CRM is fine. Um, Johnny, how, like, if you were to generally bucket, I'm thinking now of someone who wants to up, up, up level their sales training and coaching. Um, what are like some of the main topic buckets that you're covering? I mean, I just heard obviously newly follow up and some better habits for folks that aren't, uh, as experienced as some other folks, I also hear how to stay in touch more effectively with our database. I certainly hear, uh, things related to using the CRM more effectively. If you were to generally categorize, like, well, I tend to do kind of coaching and training in these four or five categories, what are, or or three or seven or whatever. Like, um, if you were to generalize that kind of, what are some of the categories that someone should maybe be thinking about developing inside their own team? Well, one of the things that, that
2: this is what this works so well is because the CRM and what we can automate within the CRM so that when people are in there. So, one thing is, especially right now when we're in the fall season and it's been a, a slower year, is what are you putting in place to automate communication to your people as a, as a nurture that's not pushy and sales? So we have a lot of things that we can do with emails and blog posts and a lot of things there. So staying in frequent touch with your database in a, in a, in a gentle manner, if you will, in a non-sales fashion so that they know that you can stay front of mind and you're not just in real estate. Uh, so I think that's one of them. Specifically, how to talk to sellers and buyers at the same time, uh, a seller-buyer client, and all the variables and the challenges and the benefits and working with the right agent that can walk you through the path every step of the way. Uh, that's a big training topic right now. Um, you know, so, uh, connecting with their sphere, uh, finding their niche, you know, things that are going to help them, uh, really identify what's unique about them. And one of the things that is, what's really great about Spyglass, this is something that really drew me to the company as well, was that it, Ryan was a a top producer. So was the company and it allowed me as a, a non-producer, to lean into the company and and use that as what what was like what was beneficial for me as well. So learning what's available to them within the company, like whether they're they're a seasoned agent or a newer agent, however long they've worked with us, really understanding what we have that's going to help them and u- using the technology and our training out there in the field.
0: Yeah, I'll add on to that. You know, Johnny does three and a half hours of training a week. Okay, and um, and I think that's really important. And and I'm, I'm, you know, the, teaching people how to talk to people. I remember at FubCon, there was a panelist uh, that said, oh yeah, we don't do role play. We don't do objection handlers. And like, to me, that's ludicrous, right? If you don't know how to 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 solve someone's objections, you know, like this isn't like manipulation here, right? Because, I mean, you know, I think I heard something the other day. It says, um, they said something like, you know, when someone gives you a no, they're giving you the no Based on the information they have right now, right, so the way that you change that is you give them more information so that they can say yes and and this isn't manipulation, this is consultation, but you can't do that unless you dig in to what these what what your 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 clients and consumers are what, what their fears are because they're giving you a no because they fear something and they don't have enough data to give you a yes, so you know when you talk about uh, one of the things that, that that we've really leaned in heavily on, and with helping agents, is training objection handlers. Are, it's to me, it's 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 one of the most important things you can do to help your client, not to help your business, not to help your bottom line, but to to really help your client is is solve the problem of what are they scared of, and how can you help them feel better about that fear.
1: Yeah, love it. And and how do you get to your own level of understanding so you know how to help them? Like yeah. the, the question series to to guide the guy. To guide that, I think the intent is the key there. I agree with you that um, some of this can be misperceived as manipulation, but in fact, it's just really helping someone understand the problem. The other thing that we run into all the time, and we haven't hit any of the keywords that come up on the show a lot in this conversation yet, words like accountability. Mm -hmm. I say one word. You think it means one thing. You think it means another thing. She thinks it means something else. And so there's even some of that with our buyers and sellers too. Like we think we're being clear in our language, yeah. but they don't understand exactly what we're talking about. Um, I do not want to run long, but I would love to hear when EOS was implemented and did you evaluate any, any other systems? Uh, and I know that's the top one, but um, did you did you consider any other systems and did you have it implemented professionally or did you all just like, Let's, let's read the book and listen to some podcasts and figure it out.
0: Yeah. So we, we read the book, listen to the podcast, try to figure it out. Okay. By, by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we were, we would we write a book on mistakes we made. Um, and I, when we went into it, actually the, the EOS implementer that we um, had hired actually changed from EOS to pinnacle. Okay. And it was basically this, I mean, it's just the same thing, right? You know, same book, different cover. And um, and then we moved to a different implementer that was EOS, and and uh, you know I, I, what I what I in retrospect what I found out is that we didn't hire an implementer because you know revenue was not where it needed to be. We were you know on a budget. Um, in retrospect, I, I, I wish I would have found the money. And that it began with, because we walked in there thinking we were very far ahead. And by the way, we were not that bad. I mean, I think it was an easier job for 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 him to work with us being self-implemented. But, but that was a year we wasted where we could have fast-tracked it. Um, and so, you know, going from a Pinnacle advisor to an EOS advisor was not – there was like – it's just different perspective. Neither of them, I think, was better than the other. The systems were very much alike. Um, but I think that from my, my standpoint, it is the biggest thing that we've ever done with our brokerage to make us more nimble and more efficient. And for those people that don't aren't familiar, I don't want to get into everything about EOS, but it's it's just a framework. People are like, oh, it? Wait, 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 EOS a software? No, it's a framework with how you conduct your business. And especially for people that haven't been into like these... Fortune 500 companies, they all do something similar. This is a way for for people that aren't in that type of environment, who haven't been in that type of environment, to to level up the way that they conduct their business in a very rapid manner.
1: Yeah, really good. Uh, Other words like accountability that we hear a lot on this show are like systems and processes. And for me, it creates this like gridding over the whole thing you have to fill in all the details but it gives you this kind of like uh, like a grid or a way to hang um all the things you need to in the right places so that there's a structure that didn't exist before um and it is it just fast tracks that process
0: yeah and you know look i mean i i I never claim to be the smartest guy in the world i'm a recovering redneck with a ged from louisiana so um you know having the kind of framework to kind of teach some of the stuff that I I don't owe $250,000 because I went to college is really good.
1: Yeah, agree. Uh, Johnny, what has been the most uh, challenging or exciting thing about EOS from your perspective? Oh, you know, it's, I I think,
2: so if you are someone that has a lot of distractions and you can find a system that works and the system's in front of you and you can just stick with it, it's going to work. So that's what's been really beneficial for us with EOS when we try to self implement, implement like Ryan was saying there it, it helped us stretch and like compartmentalize what we needed to do but then when we had someone else facilitating and really writing on our business and allowing us to to have our space to figure out what was important in our business that was really eye opening for me to sit in a room with with our leadership team and, and and us just really like dissect the business figure out what works well what doesn't work well what do we need to do what do we need to accomplish and then scale it way down to a very small level that i can now go do every day throughout the next 90 days it it's it's surprising how easy it is to run such a great company when we're meeting and running the company like we do it it, it's it's really weird to to have like i'm looking at the wall of awards that we have i'm like we meet we, we do our thing but we're following the systems I'm following the systems, the processes, what works, we're teaching it and the agents are too. So it's just the reciprocating success that Ryan had individually that I had individually. And now we have it 130 plus agents with like 14 or 15 teams within the company. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's what's been my most, uh, <laughs> eye-opening moment, <them about> Ios.
0: <laughs> yeah, another thing I'd say is is it's it's good for us to hear a different perspective from someone else. It's kind of like you know we do so much training. We did ninja training a few weeks ago when we ran a ninja implementer came over and do an installation for our agents. And um, it's funny because like a lot of the stuff that he says is stuff that Johnny covers in his his training. But they hear it from somebody outside the organization and like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm like. Uh okay sure fine yeah, we, we get it somebody else said it and so the same thing with the leadership too is like you know we everyone kind of knows what 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 if you're in business for a long time and 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 you're a student of business you kind of know what you need to do but it's always good to have someone other than in your organization tell you what to do it.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh all right, I know you have a hard stop shortly Ryan, so I want to get to our fun closing questions and I'll st- uh, it's three pairs of questions. So I'll d- direct the first pair to you Johnny. What is your very favorite team to root for besides Spyglass or what is the best team you've ever been a member of besides Spyglass?
2: Hmm. Rooting for teams been hard for a while, but so I'm going to go with the number one team I've ever been a part of other than Spyglass, and that has to be my high school football team that uh, started through 7th and 8th grade all the way through four years of high school to the district championships and state semifinalists. So that was 25 years ago. and uh, we had That's a, awesome. Yeah, we had an event a few weeks ago at the high school as a commemorative event for our football team, so it was great to see half the team that day as well a few weeks ago. So that was pretty cool.
1: Texas high school football is a big deal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And here you are 25 years later. That's awesome. Uh, Ryan, what is your, one of your most frivolous purchases or what is a cheapskate habit you hold on to, even though you probably don't need to?
0: Oh gosh. I don't really have any cheapskate habits. Um, You know, um, one of the most frivolous purchases don't know if it's a frivolous purchase but i just got a lucid air and um uh you know it's not like the top of the line one but i I freaking love it so awesome and and then the one thing with the teams like i'm always going to go for the underdog okay and 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 like you know the, the the i'm i'm really as an independent brokerage i i love the independence i love shopping at local i love going to local um restaurants so i think uh that kind of answers that question.
1: Yeah, really good. Um, John, how do you invest your time and attention into learning, growing and developing? What's that look like for you?
2: So I have been a sponge to people smarter than me, making suggestions on things to do and listen to and read along the way. Um, so read some books along the way to help get us here, but, um, you know, going to trainings and like, the the conferences every year I go to at least one or two conferences and that's a, a even if it's locally that's a huge investment in time which early on I learned that I've if I'm going to go to those conferences rather than it just being a social event and meeting people and drinking and conversations I have to walk away with something that I can actually apply and then actually execute on it so those those times that I've invested in myself and going to the conference you know five hundred bucks on a weekend or a thousand dollars whatever it is to go have an immersive experience. Those are the things that have really catapulted my business afterwards.
1: And yeah, the in-person dynamic makes it super, super powerful. And it is the most important thing you said there, I think, that I want other people to hear. If, the, if you don't hit that 30 or 60 second back button to hear it again, you'll hear from me right now, which is to go into these things with clear intention, Yeah, right? You just If you just show up and you're showing up, then you're going to get what you showed up for. Uh, whereas if you come in with intent, you're going to get something uh, much more intentional out of it. Ryan. What does it look like for you? Similar question, but different uh, direction. What does it look like for you to rest, relax and
0: recharge? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, uh, for me, my I'm very ADHD. My brain is just like, you know, hard to shut off. Uh, I love to watch a movie or, you know, binge a Netflix show or some stupid sci fi thing on Apple TV. Video awesome games. and video games a little bit but not as much as i want but just to like i want him i want mine to turn off
1: yeah he yeah it video makes games me want to go look up the uh yeah. <laughs> the filmography of uh spyglass entertainment i want to know what movies they produced maybe well, get one of those out
0: of they're produced <laughs> get- a lot they're big <laughs> you know <laughs> bigger than me
1: <laughs> cool i've heard of them uh, to quote the person who should not have heard of you. Um, this has been awesome. I appreciate you both so much. If people want to learn more about either of you or connect or follow you or about spyglass, where would you send folks to follow up on this conversation?
0: Yeah. So my Instagram is at Ryan Rodenbeck and then, um, also have, uh, realtyhack.com. You
2: can find me on spyglass at Johnny Mac spyglass realty and on Facebook, John McCarthy, real estate, Instagram, Instagram,
1: Cool. Uh Realty Hack, that's your podcast.
0: Yeah. And I've got a website and uh that, that put all you can find all the all of our social media channels on that website, Realtyhack.com.
1: Cool. Whether you are watching or listening to this episode with me and Johnny and Ryan. All the links plus some bonus ones are going to be right down below, whether you're watching in YouTube or whether you're listening to your podcast app. Uh, I link all this stuff up in all the descriptions, including a list of all kind of the core topics that we covered here. Uh, So I appreciate everyone listening. And I most appreciate you both so much for making this happen. It's always difficult to coordinate calendars with one person, much less two. So I appreciate you making it happen.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Ethan.
2: You got it. It's been great. Thanks, Ethan.
1: Thanks for checking out this episode of Team OS.
0: For email exclusive insights every week, sign up at realestateteamos.com.